As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For in this way, God loved the world. There are three very bold statements about God in the New Testament. The first is that God is spirit. The second, that God is light. And the third, that God is love. Now, God is spirit is pretty easy. I mean, after all, what else would God be? Chocolate? Rock? It makes sense that God would be spirit. In fact, most of the world's religions believe that, that God or the gods are immaterial, that we cannot see them the way that we would see each other, see buildings or cars or our food. God is light, again, seems to be relatively easy and straightforward, not that hard to grasp. After all, what kind of God would a God be if they were darkness and night and obscurity? But God is love should give us a little bit of pause. It's actually pretty tough sometimes to teach about a God who is love. Very difficult, in fact, to see sometimes. The Reverend Jeffrey Geske, a Lutheran pastor, had just moved his family to Salina 10 years ago, where he'd been appointed pastor of a church. This is Salina in Kansas. And one day after his wife, Laura, had become a substitute teacher and got her Kansas teaching certificate, and one day after Joshua Geske 8 had just started his new school, and one day after Joy Geske 3, like the rest of her family, seemed to finally be adjusting to her move, all three were killed in an accident on Interstate 70 in the United States when a driver of a car crossed the median and hit their minivan head on, leaving Pastor Geske a widower and without two of his children. God loves Joshua, Joy, and Laura, but it can be hard to see in an incident like that. We have heard a lot about what's been happening in Ukraine, the war that has been ongoing there and some of the massacres that have occurred across the country, one of which was in Bucha. And Vitaly Vinogradov, dean of the Kiev Slavic Evangelical Seminary, was one of the victims of that particular massacre. The seminary confirmed his death on Facebook. There are no words to express the sorrow of our hearts. He will be greatly missed. Hundreds of bodies were discovered in Bucha after the Russian troops had started repositioning and abandoning areas outside Kiev. Some of the people there were buried in makeshift graves. Some were left littering streets and yards. Over 400 dead bodies, one of which was the head of a seminary, training pastors to preach the gospel. He was killed by shrapnel that pierced him through his heart while he was out working in a field. God loves Vitali, yet it can be hard to see. How can we speak about God being love in the face of those kinds of atrocities and crashes and incidents and fires and sudden illnesses, children born unable to survive outside the womb, 
people struck down in their middle age by various diseases, by cancers, by heart attacks, persecutions, plagues, the list can go on. And yet here we have our scriptures telling us that God is love. Well, one way you can handle it is to redefine love so it makes sense in light of all of these persecutions and plagues and crashes and disasters. I don't remember where the quote came from. I believe it was a book I was reading on, of all things, the history of the devil in Europe. But supposedly it came from an early church writer who said that God is love, but his love is like a winter wind that bites and scars and terrifies. I don't know about you, but growing up in Canada, I can do without winter wind. I'm perfectly happy to have those nice spring breezes that finally thaw the snow. And I'm not sure I'm all that interested in serving a God who is love, but whose love is like Montreal in mid-February. There is another way to understand God's love in light of all these things, and that is to read more closely God's word. For many Christians, John 3.16, which is right in the middle of our gospel reading, which has been translated for many of you and in your bulletins, is one of the most well-known verses in all of the Bible. It was so well-known for a long time, in fact, that in the United States, you would go to basketball games or hockey games or football games, even in really big stadiums, and there would be somebody there, maybe several people, holding up giant poster boards with John 3.16 on it. They didn't actually have to write it out. They just put John 3.16. And so many people in those stadiums knew exactly what that verse was. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The problem with that verse is a two-letter word. And for those of you learning English, here's the importance of learning English from different centuries. So in our day means a lot. I love bananas so much, which my kids know is a lie. I hate bananas. I love going ice skating so much. I love you so much. So meaning a lot. But it's not what it means in John 3.16. In fact, when the word in Greek that's translated as so appears in other places in the New Testament, it's always translated a different way except in John 3.16. It's translated as, in this way. We still have that remnant in modern English when really British-type people might say, you need to zipper up your coat like so. You need to eat with your fork and knife like so, in this way. And so what God is actually telling us in this chapter, in John chapter 3, our gospel reading for this morning, is exactly how we can believe and trust that God is love, even when the absolute worst is befalling us and our friends and our family. Because it tells us not that God loves us a lot, but exactly in which way God loves us. Now, to understand in which way, we need to go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Numbers, the fourth 
book of the Bible. So after Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus comes Numbers, which is the account of God's people as they wandered in the wilderness and God was preparing to bring them into the promised land, the land he had promised to Abraham that we know now as Palestine and Israel. And the Israelites really struggled with God. They actually wanted to be slaves in Egypt again, which is where God had liberated them from. And so once more in the book of Numbers, chapter 21, we find God's people complaining. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses, their leader. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, there is no water, and we loathe this worthless food. I love that. Those of you more familiar with English, do you get that? We have no food and we hate the food. Often reminds me of how people describe really active atheists. So-and-so knows there is no God and he hates them or he hates him. So what will God do? Well, the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people that bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And so Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent out of bronze and set it on a pole and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. That is truly the weirdest medicine I have ever heard of, and I don't think the Quebec government will pay for it in our prescription drug plan. Doctor, I need a bronze serpent so that I can look at it and be cured of my poison. But that's precisely what God does. And so Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Now, these were actual snakes, poisonous snakes roaming around biting people. But there is still a serpent that roams around amongst us, biting and poisoning us, deceiving us, lying to us and about us, accusing us before God of being liars and turning us on each other. We know from our reading last week who that serpent is, Satan himself. As Jesus says later in John's gospel, when Satan lies, he speaks his native language. It's all he knows how to do, to lie to you, to lie about you, and to get you to lie to others. He accuses us day and night before God. He does not let us have peace. And he prowls around seeking people to devour. And so while the Israelites had to look at that bronze serpent to be cured of their physical poison, something different is going to happen with Jesus. He is going to deal not with actual snakes, but the granddaddy of all serpents, the devil himself. And so how will Jesus cure us? Well, Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, in the same way, the son of man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For in 
this way, God loved the world. This is God's love. A God willing to sacrifice himself rather than see us poisoned and killed by the serpent's lies. A God who's willing to crush the serpent even as Satan bites and gnaws at his heel. A God who is willing to take our place so that we can live in forgiveness, free of guilt, being able to stand before God and say, Lord, I thank you for the grace you have shown to me in Christ. I am forgiven. And now, as we spoke in our catechism lesson, we in turn can forgive others. Because who who has been forgiven such a great debt before God cannot turn around to their neighbor and say, I forgive you. The serpent has been crushed. No more can he stand before God and accuse us of being failures, of being sinners. No more can he devour those who are in Christ. <coughs> and what is the proof of that? Baptism. How can I know that this Jesus who died 2,000 years ago on a cross, thousands of miles away, did it for me? Because at least in my case, I can say that 50 years ago, on February 18th at St. Peter's Lutheran Church in downtown Ottawa, Jesus three times poured water on my head through the hands of a pastor and said, you are now mine. You are my son. And I will raise you as a father raises his children. And I will bring you into my heavenly home on the last day. For those of you who have been baptized, the same thing has happened to you. And baptism is offered to all people who desire to know that God in Christ has forgiven them. God loved us to the point of giving his one and only son. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came to save it. And more importantly, he came to save you and me. You know, I know a dad who shall remain nameless, who is driving around with his kids, one of whom was going through a particularly hard time, hard time with friends, hard time at school, hard time almost everywhere she turned. And it made the parents' hearts ache. But out of seemingly nowhere, in the middle of a conversation about how things were going, the child said, but you know, I know that I am loved. I know that I am loved. And you know what that child was saying to me in that moment? This is what is enabling me to get through everything being thrown at me. That at the end of the day, no matter how bad school is, no matter how many of my friends desert me, no matter how many enemies I get on Instagram, I'm loved. And not just from my parents or my sisters and brothers or friends, but God himself who created heaven and earth loved me in this way, loved me in this way so that I don't have to look at everything happening to me and wonder where is God. I know exactly where he was for me hanging from a cross that I could be forgiven. To know that God sacrificed himself for us, that is love.
We are not finished with the love of God. It's going to be our theme throughout Lent, all the way through to Easter Sunday. We are going to see God's love in display and the way Jesus interacts with a hated Samaritan woman at a well in the middle of the day. How he interacts with a man who is blind from birth. What he does at the tomb of his best friend Lazarus. And in his own trial, crucifixion, and resurrection. And so if you, like me, want to know a God that loves us, not like a cold winter wind, but a God who sacrificed himself for us, then you will find that God here in Jesus Christ and in him crucified. In the name of Jesus, amen.